0: Hey everybody, this is Ryan Mallory with Swing Trading the Stock Market and we're gonna talk about averaging losers. Actually, we're gonna talk about a lot of things here because for one, you guys really like these emails. I really like them too because for one, it gives me a lot of content to work with here. It gives me some real life situations that can apply to you guys directly. But it also, a lot of times in the past, I've been doing these podcasts now for a while. I think this is my 111th episode. And so when you do this many episodes, sometimes you can be like, okay, what can I talk about that I haven't talked about before? Well, when you start doing the emails, What's great about it is that I can actually take experiences from you guys and unpack them and, and really address some really key topics here. So there's going to be actually a number of things I talk about here because this person here, he's from Canada, Toronto, Canada. He just turned 24 years old. He's a He just recently graduated from a university. He admits that he's in debt right now from... Being a student, and he got a full time salary right after he graduated. So sounds like like the typical person coming out of college here gets a good job, gets a little bit of student debt that he needs to pay off. He's young and he's interested in the stock market. And by the way, my my drink of choice here, okay, because I get a lot of emails about about what I'm drinking a lot. And, uh, so (laughs) what I was doing before I, this all started up really by me just being late at night. And I'm like, I need a drink when I do this podcast. And I decided to start talking about it. Right. I don't spend the whole podcast on it, but Hey, look, you guys like bourbon for the most part. Most of you guys do. So it doesn't hurt to tell you guys about it, but this one here, it's a fan favorite or a crowd favorite, I guess is probably the better way to put it. It's called screwball peanut butter whiskey. I don't even think I'm going to like this. I have a feeling I'm going to hate it. So I hope I'm su- pleasantly surprised. I'm pouring it right now. I'm using like a two-inch ice cube. We'll see how it tastes, man. Let, again, I, I don't have a lot of hope in it. I put, I'm put i using the ice cube because I don't even think it's that expensive of a whiskey. I saw it. I've been kind of curious about it. So, okay, I'm going to give it a try here. So I'll give it a shot. Mm. Oh, hell no. Ugh. If this is a bad podcast, guys, blame it on the screwball. (laughs) Oh, what did I even just drink just then? Holy cow. Here's the thing. People like to put these like flavors into their bourbons and their whiskeys and stuff like that. If I want peanut butter, I'm just going to eat peanut butter. I'll go Joe Black on that thing. I'll ask for a spoon with peanut butter. That's what I feel like I'm doing right there, except it's like in liquid form. It's gross. It's like that uh, the liquid stuff when you haven't opened up a peanut butter jar in a long time, and you open it up, and it's got like this little lake in the middle of like peanut butter juice. That's what I feel like I'm drinking here. Holy cow. Jeez, that was bad. That was instant disappointment. Anyways, I don't mean to offend the people at Screwball Peanut Butter Whiskey. That's an awful idea. Obviously, they're not paying me to talk about this stuff. Um, <laughs> in any case, so this guy's name here. This guy, um, I'm not gonna use his real name, obviously, like I I never do. I'm gonna call him Bo. Bo B A U. Is it Bo? That's that's the, or is it just Bo? B O. Bo Jackson was B O. So we'll just go with Bo B O. Um, Bo, like I said, lives in Canada, Toronto specifically just turned 24 years old. He's in debt. He just graduated out of college. He's 24 years old, has a full-time job right after he graduated. He started investing through a TFSA account. I had to look up what that is through Wealth Simple back in March, 2020. Basically, it sounds like it's a uh, tax-free account that you can invest in. You can withdraw from, no penalties. I-, I could be wrong on that. I've just Googled it basically. So if I'm wrong, it's Google's fault. So he started trading with 1500 dollars it went down to $1,200 because he said he had no idea what he was doing. And I'm doing a little bit of paraphrasing because it's a long email. Um, he says, eventually, I started creating a strategy that worked because I got up to $1,800. And from there, I decided to start trading with a bigger account size around $5,000. Eventually, I'd like to trade with $100,000. So he tells me his strategy here. He allocates 50% of his portfolio on a five to seven year investment, such as Apple, Microsoft, and Facebook. That's great. Those things are doing great, right? The other 50% is open to position swing trading. I currently have Manulife because... Of its very low risk factor and volatility, I don't know anything about Manulife here. Really, that's like an insurance company. I've never traded it before, so I mean, I've, I look it up. It's traded here in the United States, but it, I mean, it went back from like 2008, went from like 45 plus dollars all the way down to the single digits. So there is some volatility there, but since 2009, it's been kind of dead money. Um, and when I say that, it's just it's been range bound. It literally hasn't moved anywhere between. 10 to $25. It just keeps going back and forth within that range. Yeah, it, it might be a tradable range. I'm not overly crazy about this kind of a stock. I, it's not. It's no Apple, that's for sure. It's not a Tesla or a Microsoft or any of the fancy tech stocks, not even a Bank of America or a Citigroup, maybe not even a Wells Fargo. But then again, Wells Fargo kind of sucks. So. <laughs> then he tells me, he says, what I do is I buy with about 60% of the money I have available left after my long holds, which I see a support line or when I see a big drop and they set my cell at one percent profit because it generally moves one to three percent a day. I don't know if that's low risk if it's moving every day one to three percent. That's a lot. I mean granted this this guy's only been trading since March and I'm not being hard on him at all. He I, he even asked me to take it a little bit easy on him at the end of the email because he has only been trading since March. So I'm not I'm not coming across I'm gonna be critical where I think you should be where I think I should be critical at. But one to three percent a day, I mean that, that's a that might be a little bit volatile. Um I don't think most stocks move one to three percent a day. Right now they do, but when things kind of get back to normal, they're not. So if you're able to profit off of making one to 3% a day off of a stock, when things do get back to normal, when VIX gets back to like 11 or 12, I wouldn't necessarily expect those kinds of moves going forward. Uh, If it doesn't go up, I'll wait until it does, even if it's two to three months, because I then collect the dividend. Now remember dividends, they get subtracted off of the share price. So if a stock you know has a dollar dividend trades at a hundred dollars a share when it goes x dividend day it's going to drop like by a dollar down to 99 i mean it doesn't mean that it can't make it right back up if it's tesla if they were having a dividend right and they had a dollar dividend it'd probably be made up sometimes in like 10 seconds holy crap this whiskey is disgusting i mean i'm fighting through it guys i am i'm trying to be a warrior about it but it's gross i can't even think a single thing i'd mix it with i'm sure there's recipes all over the place online i don't even want to try them i don't think there's any improving on that stuff it's disgusting so here's where I really run into some issues here. It says, if it continues to drop, I will wait for another potential support line to show up or until it's very undervalued and buy more to even out my entry point. If I buy a second time lower and the price goes back to my original entry point, I'm in a profit. Of course, I understand this is very risky. So if it doesn't go up, I'll wait until it does, even if it's two to three months, because then I collect a dividend. All right, I'm gonna stop there we're going to unpack a lot of that right now. You go back to 2008, 2009. Granted, this person's only been trading since March. I don't know to what extent he's looked at MFC's chart going back to 2008, 2009, or even just long-term. I do it all the time. I know a lot of these charts like the back of my hand going back to 2008, 2009. You take the S&P 500, I could, I could map it out on a piece of paper for you. I've, see, I've just looked at it for so long throughout my life. But, MFC, it goes from 45 down to single digits, okay? This thing was in a beautiful trend line going all the way up to 2008, and then it fell apart. It's never recovered from 2008. It hasn't even recovered half of its losses. It's recovered maybe about 25% of its losses from 2008. You take a chart... Any tech chart probably, and it's probably way beyond the lows from 2008 and well beyond the 2007, 2008 highs. So we got a problem there because... What does this person do? Let's say down the road, he does have $100,000 in his account, and he's trading this MFC thing like he outlined here where he's putting like a large percentage of his portfolio in it, looking for the 1% move, and this thing just goes down. It goes from 15 down to, let's say, 13. He says, okay, it's it's oversold. I'm going to double down on this trade, and it goes from 13 back down to 6 or 7. What does he do then? Because I can tell you this, back in January, it This was before COVID ever struck. This thing went from plus 20 all the way back down into the single digits. Now it's back from eight plus dollars a share to $15. So it's almost doubled off of the lows. But if this guy was just starting to invest about two months before he started investing, he'd be in the hole so bad right now. And I don't know when this thing comes back. Maybe it comes right back up. You know, maybe by the end of the year, it'll be back in the 18 to $20 range. I have no confidence about that. And here's the thing, stocks don't always come back. There's a litany of stocks that did not survive the 2000 dot-com bubble. There's a litany of stocks. Take Lehman Brothers and Bear Stearns. They did not survive 2008, 2009. There was a lot of money lost in those. You take Qualcomm. If you had bought at the highs of 2000 during the dot-com bubble, well, guess what? It wasn't until about two months ago that Qualcomm finally broke its all-time highs going back to 1999, 2000 timeframe. It took Qualcomm 20 years to make that money back. Again, I'm taking it easy on you. I promise. I'm a little salty, though, right now because this peanut butter whiskey is trash. <sighs> I'm probably going to get COVID tested tomorrow just because I'm not sure if there's something that wrong with this drink. <laughs> All right, that's I probably shouldn't say that about it. There's no, there's no link between COVID and peanut butter whiskey, screwball peanut butter whiskey. Boy, it tastes like it, though. So here's, here's the question. I don't like averaging losing trades. I never average a losing trade. If you're losing on a trade, you never add to it. That's never a time to get it. It's never a time to get back to break even. Losing trades is usually a reason to get out of the trade, not to try to stay in it longer. And here's the thing. If you're trying to swing trade and you're looking for a position that's going to go from, you know, in the next five to six days up one or two percent and it doesn't do that. And then you're expanding your time frame to two or three months. Well, that's money that's being tied up in a trade that may never become profitable for you. And then if it continues to sink like what we saw MFC do, Manulife do back in 2008 or back in, in January of this year where it doesn't come back, then you're turning into a long, long-term long bag holder. And that's not good either. So you don't want that. I'm, I'm also not a huge fan of just trading one particular stock because I think a lot of times we do that because we feel like that there's some kind of like inherent edge in that stock. And I don't think that's necessarily true. I think there's some stocks that respond better to technical analysis than others. I've I've mentioned it before. I think Bitcoin does pretty good to technical analysis. And I think the fact that it trades 24-7 and it doesn't deal with these crazy gaps and stuff makes it a little bit more trader friendly. That doesn't mean there isn't a ton of volatility, but a lot of times it does respect the support and resistance levels that you outline. And when it does break a support level or resistance level, it usually marks a change in the trend or a significant move in that particular direction of what it's breaking. And he, he says this too, life is very consistent, which is why I'm happy to hold for a long period, and this way I never take losses. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily consistent, buddy, because back in January, it had a significant sell-off. It goes from like the 20s down to single digits, $8. That's a significant move. If I look at the technical analysis right now, it looks like a double top. So I would be very careful right now because since March, the market has been very forgiving when it comes to not respecting the risk. I'm not saying that you're not respecting the risk. I think you're respecting the risk in a way that I think has its own set of risk to it. But this MFC is not going to be a a free lunch for you, and it's very capable of sinking lower. Every stock is. And so you have to go into your trades thinking that. But what bothers me, though, is is that this person, Bo, he says that, I'm happy to hold for a long period, and this is why I never take losses. Well, you are going to take losses in the stock market, and it's important to get used to those. It's not bad to have a losing trade. I had a losing trade today. Citigroup, I shorted it. Trust me, I'm I'm wondering if there's ever a reason to short a stock ever again right now when you're looking at this market. I'm not saying that with complete sincerity. I'm just with the Federal Reserve constantly pumping up the market. Citigroup looked like a good short. It squeezed me a little bit. I had to take a 4.9% loss on that today. That's okay. I've had plenty of those kinds of losses, and losses aren't really bad. I I managed to trade as best as I could. That's that's what it comes down to. I managed to trade, got out for a 4.97% loss. I only stayed in it for less than a week. So I want to know quickly whether or not a trade's going to work out for me. If it's going to be a loser, I want to get out of it fast. So it's the more profitable ways that I want to let keep rolling higher. You take Twitter, for instance. I've been in Twitter since August 5th. Notice how that stock, I have been into it for about 22 calendar days. It's up about 8%. It was up over 10% at one point. I sold a third of my position on the 24th for an 8.9% profit. I'm letting this last third continue to run. It's okay. I'm happy with that. I'm going to keep raising my stop loss. My stop loss is getting tighter and tighter every day. But when I have a loser, I have to be able to accept it. And you have to be able to accept it on a stock, whether it's MFC or any other stock. When the stock isn't working right, it's not the time to double down on it and hope that it gets back to break even because there's a lot of capital that has been lost on people who just want to break even or just want to get back to their original buy-in price. And let's say you have you know, $2,500 on MFC and you're in at like $20 here. We're talking about into the future here. Your trading strategy has been working great. Let's say it's not even $2,500 that you're trading with it anymore. Let's say you've built your account up to $25,000, and now you've got like $12,000 in the stock, and all of a sudden you get this heavy sell-off where it goes from $20 down to $6 or $7. What's the game plan going to be there? Are you going to keep doubling down on the trade? Or are you going to keep adding more to the position, hoping that it just gets back to its original entry price? Because I can tell you at that point, that's where the emotions are going to just start wrecking havoc, and, and it's going to cause most people to panic sell. That's why when you get into the trade, you got to know where you're going to get out of the trade. So when you get into MFC, if you feel like you have an edge with it or if you think there's something on the charts that says, okay, it's going to bounce off to the support level or it's overbought and it, and it looks like it wants to hold this rising trend line, then you got to know if you were wrong and if that trend line doesn't hold and if that support level doesn't hold, where are you going to get out of the trade at? Because I really, if there's anything I don't like about this email, it's it talks about the fact that you're willing and happy to hold for a long period of time so that you never take losses. You have to take losses. That's part of trading is taking losses. I'm like wrong 40% of the time. I'm okay with that. So you had a few questions at the end of this email where it says, what can I do to make the strategy better? I feel like I kind of outlined a, a number of things that you can do. How can I, make, how can I find a better entry point? Well, th- that's about trading with the edge. You've got you to gotta find on the chart where the, the reward is greater than the risk that you're taking on. And that doesn't mean that you double down and just hope that you can get back to the original entry point for a profit. What influences a stock? Well, there's a lot of things that influences stock. Being an insurance, it's going to be affected by its industry, the insurance industry. It's going to be affected by the financial services sector. You have the broader market, which represents about 50% of a stock's move, followed by about 20% of the sector, another 20%, 10 to 20% of an industry. And then the rest of it is actually the stock price itself, whether there's news, whether there's something specific related to the stock that is causing it to rise or fall. So again, I'm not trying to be harsh on you. I know you've only been doing it since March. And uh, I've, I've had these questions before. I've had these thoughts like, man, I should just trade this one stock only because I have such good luck with it. And that's usually not a good idea. So I would encourage you to like branch out, try to find other charts that that might that might work for you to try to branch out and find some other trades that that appeals to you. I like just looking at charts for what they are. Charts, whether it's Apple, whether it's Microsoft, whether it's Square, whether it's Caterpillar. If the chart looks right, I'm taking it. Now, there's t- certain types of charts that I'm not going to go after. I'm not going to go after stocks usually that are under $10. Definitely not going to go after low cap biotech stocks. I tend to avoid Boeing at all costs. So VIX, VIX related stuff, I don't, I don't play those either. There is a power making one percent and a lot of people talk about that in the stock market. I think you've got to be willing to take though what the market's gonna give you. Sometimes the market's gonna give you losses, sometimes it's gonna give you wins, sometimes it'll be two percent or three percent that you'll make, and sometimes it's like a tenth of a percent. So don't don't try to you know map this out on an Excel spreadsheet. If I keep doing this, 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 and this and make this kind of money over this period of time, I'll be making this much money every day in the stock market. Don't do that. that. That'll take you down a bad road. Take what the stock market's willing to give you trade according to your plan. Map out your trades before you ever get into it. I'd also like to encourage you to please, please, please go check out the review section for Apple. Leave me a good review if it is in your heart to do so. Uh, five-star reviews are always the best. Uh, if you can't do a five-star review i understand i really like those five-star reviews and it just helps me continue to turn out a lot of really good content because it gets me a little bit more exposure i always appreciate that so thank you again guys and god bless thanks for listening to my podcast swing trading the stock market i'd like to encourage you to join me in the share planner trading block where i navigate the stock market each day with traders from around the world